1931 season saw a few major changes come into effect across the league, the most interesting one being the Paige McIntyre final system. Finally. There was also an amendment to the Brownlow voting with the introduction of a 3-2-1 season that we now know. Could Collingwood pull off the impossible and win five premierships in a row? Could the Blues or the Tigers finally overcome a faltering Collingwood? Or would a new coach help Geelong over the machine? Plus, Hayden Bunton finally pulls on the boots. Hacken Schmidt closes the curtain on an amazing VFL run. And Footscray push for an improbable finals run. All that and more coming up after our song. It's the history of football we knows about. And we want to expand what we know. We'll become such intelligent gentry with every kick to kick show. Beginning in the time 1870s, right through to the modern day. Tune in for Timmy Coops and the Kazman to hear what they all have to say. Welcome to the Kick to Kick podcast. Uh, we are here to talk about the 1931 season. Sitting opposite me, I have Charlie. Hi. And sitting to my left is not the Kazman today. It's not the Kazman. It's not. He's, uh, he's been subbed off. He's, he's a bit sick. Uh, so we've got a, an old favourite of the show, friend of the show, um, Anna. Welcome. Thanks. It's a delight to be here. Oh, it's delightful to have you oh. here and get rid of that fool for one week. I tell you. <laughs> Um, Anna, you were a guest on, I think, a 1912 episode. I was indeed. So welcome back. Great to have you. Thank you. What? Yeah. Uh, 19 years later. Yeah, yeah. it's been a while. <laughs> it feels like that since. time's just flown, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. And finally, we have moved out of the era of uh, the machine. Colling- <laughs> Spoiler, Collingwood don't win. <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't aware, yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we've had fun talking about them for the last four, cha- uh, four years, but it's, it's good for a change. Look, yeah, absolutely. It's great to... I mean, they're still right up there, and I'm sure that we've got a lot to say about them, but finally, we don't have to give them the trophy again. Yeah, I'm glad That's I wasn't good. here for those episodes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I'd just like to say hello to our listeners in uh, Sweden and Indonesia, ah. who have been on the download, so g'day to them. Amazing. Um, and something else I, I spoke about last episode, and Anna, you're a, you're a Melbourne supporter, so you might have appreciate this, maybe not. Um, <laughs> if you remember the 1930 season, Melbourne had to win their last game to make the finals, and they didn't. No. Yeah, no, but I, And I, I promised I'd come up with a name for that, some kind of... Uh, oh, yeah, so, so I've done that. Oh, so you've, you have, have you? Yeah. Oh, good. I was hoping you might forget about that, but anyway. Um, I'm going to call it the Harry, uh, Harry Bully Hex. The Harry Bully Hex. Harry Hex. Okay. Um, dating back to 1901. Uh, which was the first time Melbourne did this. They were, <laughs> yeah, they could have made finals if they'd won their last round, but they didn't. Harry Harry Bully being a player who hit the post three times and I think it was a five-point loss. In that game. Oh, yeah. So Harry Bully Hex. Yep, which they've then it's happened to them in 1909, 27, 29 and 30. Oh, and a few times since. And 2017. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, God. So hopefully I can use that again. Oh, well, well, hopefully not. <laughs> I'm hoping not, but we'll see. We'll Look, see. We know what's on the horizon for Melbourne fans. We do. So, you know. We do. That's why we're surprisingly cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So 1931 season. Lots to talk about. Plenty to talk about, Jimmy. It was a great year. Great year. Yeah. There was lots happening. Um, the first, so we'll, we'll go through the, yeah. the, uh, the news you, of that year. Yeah. Would you like to hear? I'll tell you. There's plenty of great stuff. Well, well, well before you do. Um, oh, yes. The hit song. Oh, 1931, Anna. We're starting to get to the ones, Anna, that no. we actually know, which is which is That's fun. That's a relief. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, the first, the, the song I picked out was uh, Cab Calloway, Minnie the Moocher. Oh, my nah, God. What a song. Still know it. Have you seen the Blues Brothers? 
Well, After. okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> a little bit before. But <laughs> most people listening, I think, would know Minnie the Moocher, yeah. I'm going to say. It's a ripper. It is. Bit of, bit of scatting? Yeah, well, is it? Yeah, yeah I guess it is yeah. scatting, yeah. 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 The origins of scatting. Yeah. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, other things happened that year, I assume? Many other things <laughs> happened. Uh, so very quickly, on the 3rd of January, Albert Einstein began doing research at the California Institute of Technology along with the astronomer Edwin Hubble. Oh, oh I believe he went on to do some great things. Um, on the 7th of January, Guy Menzies flew the first solo non-stop trans-Tasman flight from Australia to New Zealand. It took him 11 hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> and he crash-landed on the New Zealand west coast. So there you go. And on the 10th of January, the beef riot took place in Adelaide. Ooh, tell, oh, tell me, yeah, tell us more. So 17 people were injured when unemployed men clashed with the police while protesting the decision to remove beef from the dole ration. Oh, yeah, because oh. yeah, we're in the depression. Oh, of depression. Yeah. Um, on the 22nd of January, Sir Isaac Isaacs was sworn in as the first Australian-born Governor General of Australia. What his first name be? <laughs> well, maybe his father was Isaac as well, and he's like, let's just continue it on. Uh, on the 14th of February, Valentine's Day, the original film version of Dracula with Bella Lugosi was released. <laughs> and on the 4th of March, Holden Bo- Motor Bodybuilders was purchased by General Motors. Nice. Uh, on the 17th of March, the state of Nevada legalised gambling. Finally. If I, I know. Jeez. And on the 15th of April, a war within the uh, American Mafia finished with the murder of Joe the Boss Mazarea, briefly leaving Salvatore Maranzano as the boss of all bosses. But he was murdered like less than six months later. So, yeah. Uh, On the 25th of April, Porsche was founded by Ferdinand Porsche in Stuttgart. And on the 1st of May, construction of the Empire State Building was completed in New York City. Nice. Another uh, fantastic structure. On the 15th of August, the two ends of the Sydney Harbour Bridge are joined in the middle. Aww. There you go. Um, that's an amazing feat of engineering as well, if you've read that story. No. Like trying to get those two sides to meet perfectly, perfectly in the middle. In the was, centre. It was within like millimetres. It's pheno- that is phenomenal, yeah. isn't that it? That is unbelievable. You're kind of like thinking of uh, the like the Eurostar tunnel under the channel as yeah. well, like having those two whole, those two tunnels meet perfectly. That's a bit too much for my brain. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, on the 17th of October, um, Al Capone was sentenced to 11 years in prison for tax evasion. And, <laughs> Charlie uh, <went>. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, White Nose won the Melbourne Cup as well, slightly later, uh, in the start of November. Um and on the 19th of December, a federal ele- election was held in Australia and the ALP, led by James Scullin, was defeated by former Labor MP Joseph Lyons and the United Australia Party. <laughs> the original United Australia Party. Well, there you go. That's all the stuff that happened. Would you like to hear some people that were born in there 1931? Were born? There were we a few. We can confirm there were people born. 17th of January, James Earl Jones. Hey, Darth Vader. Darth Vader and Mufasa. Of yes. course. Um, and the dad from Coming to America. And uh, the journalist from, um, what's the one with Kevin Costner? The Untouchables? F- f- no, the one with the, in the field. Oh, field of Dreams. Field of Dreams, oh. yeah. yeah. You two are like the walking the by MDBs. <laughs> uh, on the 22nd of January, Sam Cooke, the singer. Mm. On February 1st, Boris Yeltsin, the first president of Russia, was born. Another Boris. 
And on February 8th, James Dean, the American actor. But here's another one for you. On March the 2nd, Mikhail Gorbachev, the president of the Soviet Union, was born. They were so close together. <laughs> I found that fascinating. Also, another two that were really close together. William Shatner on March 22nd and Leonard Nimoy on March 26th. Wow. Four days apart. Pretty wow. fascinating, yeah. I thought. On the 20th of August, Don King, the boxing promoter. On the 20th of October, Mickey Mantle, the baseball player who played for the Yankees and fantastic player. Um, and then on October 31st, Dan Rather, the, um, the television news reporter who okay. was in, in America. Very nice. famous one. And there you have it. See, great year, I told you. Yeah, told lots, you. Of, lots of big names. Lots of stuff. All right, so what there were you... other people born in that year also. Those were just a few. Oh, okay. I just wanted to make that those. clear. It wasn't Good. just okay. them. Yeah. Um, so we'll go through the league news first, Anna, and then we'll, uh, we'll get stuck into the teams in reverse ladder order. Great. Um, so as I said at the top of the show, there's quite a lot of changes happening this year. Um, the late start to the preseason was in line with a league decree that no club could have more than four weeks training before the opening match. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. Because some clubs had come back early and then probably St Kilda had come back a week before. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, there's also a split round in this. So yes. Round six. How weird. That, this is weird. so strange. Um, the first half, so the, so the first three matches were played on the King's Birthday Monday holiday, which, which I think was June. Yeah, 8th of June. Oh. And then the rest of the matches were played on the Saturday after round eight. On the 27th of June. So, <laughs> so six teams, I love this, this sentence boggled my mind. Six teams played their round seven and eight matches before they played their round six match. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah I love it. It's ridiculous. Why? It's great. Um, the other big news is the new final system. Yes. So, yeah. Charlie, you must be very happy about this. I am this. ecstatic. And we've been working with the amended Argus system for uh, 30, almost 30 years now, 28 episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, which pretty much means whoever finishes on top has the right of challenge. If they lose a final, they can challenge the winner of of whatever, whatever. So happens. any final, Aww. they could get knocked out in the first round of finals, and then someone wins three games, and then the other team's like, no, 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 come, we have to, you have to play us again. Wow, yeah, outrageous. Yeah. It's like a Joker card. Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit because clubs are getting sick of Collingwood winning. They've won a, quite a few of their four in a yeah. row on the challenge system. Yeah, oh. and they'd won they'd won quite a few of their past ones also on the challenge mm. system. And it's interesting to note the uh, that Page and McIntyre, who came up with it, are Richmond and Geelong delegates, all related to those clubs. Yes, yeah. Um, so you've got some more information. Well, so it's an interesting thing. It is called the the Page McIntyre system. Um, it was actually developed by Ken McIntyre, who was a lawyer, historian, then the secretary for Geelong, I believe. But he came up with this when he was quite a young man, still at Melbourne University, because yeah. he was very just in his spare time while becoming a lawyer and historian, he was also very interested in maths. Uh, so he came up with the system and then Percy Page, who was, who was the, a, Richmond the Richmond delegate. Club secretary. Yep. Um, and he, delegate to the VFL. Yes, and he basically advocated for its use. He, yep. I don't think Ken McIntyre at this stage had many ins in the in the VFL, so he was the one who sort of put it forward. Yeah. Um, so the original Page-McIntyre system is this one. Then when it went to the... Five, yeah. it was just called the McIntyre system. Yeah. And a lot of other sports still use what they call the Page system, which is the original yeah. Page McIntyre system. And McIntyre also did the final six and then the final, the first final eight as well before yeah. it changed in 2000. So but it was amazing, like doing a bit of research, like curling yeah. uses the Page <laughs> <Curling>. system. <laughs> uh, 
who else? There were a few other random sports like it, and it's been spread across the world, and it, it did originate here. Like wow. it, they haven't sort of used other bits. <laughs> That's so strange. It started from the VFL, which is yeah. really cool. The, the really yeah. good thing about it is it guarantees a grand final. Mm. Like you know, the final match is going to be a grand final, and it also still does give the person that finishes on top two chances. Yep. Not necessarily a right or reply, but at yep. least two bites of the apple. Yeah. So yeah. So first place, second, the winner goes straight to the grand final. The loser plays the winner of third versus fourth, and then the winner of that goes to the grand final. Yeah. So it's over three weeks. Uh, it's a much fairer system, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Um, and I, I read somewhere that McIntyre was a bit annoyed that it was called the Page McIntyre system. It was, yeah, because he, because came, he came, up came up with it. it. Yeah. Um, I can't remember where I read that, though. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Just in his personal diary yeah. somewhere. Uh, so we're working with that. So um, other news was... The Brownlow Medal well, voting yeah, we, procedure. We might, maybe we'll talk about that one okay, yeah. Brownlow later on. Absolutely. Um, also, the, there was a ground management association... And a bit of a dispute with them about the cricket season and the football yeah. season. Um, that the cricket clubs had to pay the league twenty pounds per hundred members for use of the ground. I, I couldn't actually work it out. It was so the members of cricket clubs of the cricket club were getting free admission to football games. Yes. So then they the the cricket clubs had to pay. To allow, to continue to allow, to that, allow yeah. that, yeah, because a lot of people were members of cricket clubs and then just going to watch the footy without p- paying. Yeah, and there was a bit of a standoff, and the VFL had actually organised the motor dome and the exhibition oval to be used in case. Yeah, they couldn't get it done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it didn't happen this year. I think it might happen in the future, not too near future though. Yeah, um, and the spoilers. Other, yeah, <laughs> and the only other thing I read about was the VFL thought about submitting um, the flick pass rule. Or trying to get it past the, uh, the Australasian National Football Council. Ah, no, I didn't read about that. Mm. Back to the flick pass. Yes. Mm, I'm glad that didn't come through. All right, so going from bottom to top, Anna. Okay, so coming in on the bottom, 12th place was North Melbourne, finishing on 18 points. That is nine losses and zero wins. <laughs> and on 50.8%. It's a pretty ugly year yeah, for North Melbourne. So good. Their third wooden spoon in a row as well. Ooh, yeah. That's rough. It has not been nice. So uh, coached by uh, Norm Clark. Uh, yes, yes. To start the season. To start. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Mm. To start the season. And captain by Johnny Lewis. Their lead goal kicker was also Johnny Lewis with 25. So do you want to give us a bit more information about that? To start yeah. With? Look, they were a, quite a young side as well. They had a lot of new recruits um, who came in. One of them being Charlie Cameron. Yeah. Yes. Another Charlie <laughs> another Cameron. Charlie Cameron. Um, uh, as you said, coached by Hackenschmidt. Not a really good start to the season, especially when you look. They had a mammoth loss in round two to Richmond, yeah. which I think we'll talk about when we get to Richmond because it's much more about them. Yeah. Um, as Anna said, lots and lots of losses. That kind of mounted up. And round 10, Anna, they had a 72-point loss to Hawthorne. Ooh. And I think if you look at your list, if you look at your ladder there, where's Hawthorne on the ladder? Hawthorne coming at 11th. Yeah, so Just it, one above. The team above you, if they're beating you by 72 points. Yeah, it's not <laughs> yeah, pretty. How bad must you that's be? pretty dismal. Um, so following this, Norm Clark was almost let go as a result of a bit of a misunderstanding. Yeah. Uh, but was kept on, like from, that was on the Monday, but then come Thursday, he handed in his resignation to the club. Oh, God, so a bit of a stutter. Yeah. One of those, you know, knee-jerk reactions. The yeah, club's going to get rid of me. Should I go? Should I stay? And uh, then it actually did happen. Yeah, which, yeah. I mean, still happens today. Yeah, it certainly does. 
And um, around about the same time, the club also appealed to the league for a grant of £200, like an advance in what they were going to make because they were quite not doing well financially either. Well, because, yeah, they didn't have many members and stuff, did they? Yeah. So around 11, James Pemberton was appointed coach on the morning of the game. (laughs) He'd end up coaching out the season. Um, Then following that, they had a 67-point loss to Geelong. However, Geelong, in a gesture of goodwill, donated their share of the gate to the home side. Oh, that's Aww. nice. Yeah, so, I mean, especially in the Depression years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, round 18 was their closest match with a nine-point loss to Footscray at home, although they kicked three goals to 16, which didn't help. Well, that's not it's not actually that bad considering we'll, we'll hear where Footscray end up mm. as well. So it's a um, good but, way to finish. But their average losing margin was 54 points. Yeah, well, I was going looking yeah. at their percentage. It would have to be. They would have to basically get their score doubled every week at yeah. 50%. Yeah. So... It's not great. Not a great year. No, <laughs> not a great year for them. Let's move on. Yep, okay. Coming in in 11th place was Hawthorne. Um, they finished with three wins and 15 losses and a percentage of 82. Amazing. Yeah, slightly better. Slightly better. So uh, captain coached by Jiggy Harris again this year. Mm-hmm. Their lead goal kicker was Jack Ryan with 39. And I just want to throw out a special congratulations to uh, Edward Titch Udding, <laughs> the first Hawthorne player to reach 50 VFL games. Nice. Aww. Good um, times. Yeah, yeah, shout out. <laughs> so if you're listening out there, Titch. <laughs> uh, the nickname Titch is awesome. I know, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Is, it an, is it an Ed thing or is it just a little man, like a small guy thing? Yeah, maybe both. I don't know. It's a bit, yeah. One to Google. Yeah. <laughs> um, a nickname, a debutant was Cliff Colling. I like it. Who, uh, you know, I've sent, I've sent Kaz a list of names, so hopefully he can choose a, a best name. Uh, round one saw a, a one-point loss to Footscray, I think it was. The Maybloom's were attacking hard. Maybloom's being Hawthorne's name at this stage, Anna. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, you know, big, big tough name, the Maybloom's. Um, I like that you're feeding Anna this stuff and rather than trying to catch her out like you do to Kaz. Oh, no, you caught me out last time I learnt from it. <laughs> Um, they were attacking hard when the bell rang, um, but it was possible that the bell rang like several minutes early that the timekeepers made a mistake, but Hawthorne didn't, didn't they didn't lodge a protest. Oh. Yeah. Uh, round seven was their first win. Uh, it came against Essendon, who they defeated for the first time by 20 points. Jack Ryan kicking three goals. First time they ever beat Essendon. First time they ever beat Essendon. Ah. Mm. The, yeah, because they weren't in the VFL, the VFA the same time Essendon was. Yeah. Round 10, they demolished a hapless North Melbourne by 72 As points, we which heard, we talked yeah. about. Jack Ryan in that game kicking five goals here. Um, and Ernest Udding, was he the... Yeah. Yep. Did I say Ed? I think I said Ed, but Ernest, is it? Uh, he had a great year. He was vice captain, uh, said to be the most consistent player across the season. A report said that his energies were always directed at the ball rather than the man, and that he received five times as many free kicks as he gave away. Always a good thing. Yeah. We like that. Uh, during one rousing speech that Jiggy Harris, the captain, was giving, uh, Jiggy Harris was calling for the side to lift and that they were lucky to be playing for such a wonderful club like Hawthorne. I love that. Titch Utting chimed in with, how about you getting a bloody kick yourself, Harris? <laughs> <laughs> good. Um, and following the season, I read this in the grand final record from that year, the Hawthorne president uh, was hit in the temple with a golf ball <laughs> at the end of the season. Was had to spend some time in hospital. He recovered, but... Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad he did. Yeah. Right, moving on. All right. Uh, 
third from the bottom of the ladder was Fitzroy with four wins and 14 losses. Yeah, they ended up on a percentage of 86. Yeah, so uh, not the uh, F club that we're used to seeing in 10th place there. No. They're they're climbing back out. So Fitzroy, um, captain coached by Colin Niven and their lead goal kicker, Jack Moriarty, with 53. Yep. Uh, Yeah. Um, Some debutantes with good names that we like. Dinny Dowd. Dinny Dowd, (laughs) like it. Um, and Ian Fleming. Oh, really? Yeah, just before, just... before he wrote James Bond, he played, <laughs> played footy for Fitzroy for a while. Good on him. Whoa. He didn't really. Sa- well, same name. And there's, as you mentioned in, a, in our intro, there's someone else oh, yes. on this list. Um, so have you heard of Hayden Bunton? I have not. No, he's a three-time Brownlow medalist, three-time Sandover medalist. Uh, he's, he's got a statue outside the MCG. There's a very famous photo of him that you'd probably recognise if I showed you. Oh. Um, he was... Uh, signed by Fitzroy the previous year, but because the league had bought in the Coulter Law, like blocking payments and things, he wasn't allowed to play. Yeah. Um, so he had to sit out the whole year in 1930. He played in in Albury. Yeah. In which in which time he slipped the cartilage in his knee. Oh God. Um, Fitzroy paid for his operation, which uh, was actually something that would bite the, you know, came back to bite the club later on. But when he applied to the committee, the VFL committee, this time his. He was passed within, I think it was like 30 seconds. Really? They were just like, yeah, absolutely. So he played every game this year and managed to kick 18 goals. The second highest after Jack Moriarty. Yeah. Averaging one a game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not too bad for your first year in. They've also got a guy called called, uh, Chicken Smallhorn. Yeah, we love love Chicken Smallhorn. Um, (laughs) He weighs, in this year, he weighs 62 kilograms. It's tiny. Oh, yeah. titchy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that must be where it comes from. Yeah. Uh, round one, they played your lot, the Ds, the, uh, the Fuchsias at the MCG. Hayden Bunton making his debut. And look, he was impressive, but not brilliant. Mm-hmm. And Melbourne won by two goals. Yep. Round three, they played North Melbourne, so you know you're coming up against an easy beats. 40-point <laughs> win, an eight-goal second quarter pretty much closed that game off for Fitzroy. Oof. Round eight... In what would be a 24-point loss, Hayden Bunton would be best on ground for the first time. Not the last, though. Not the last, uh, which meant in this system getting the three votes as well. Round 12, another win over... Uh, no, another game against Melbourne. This time they won at Brunswick Street Oval. Coming from behind in the last quarter, kicking four goals to none to run out 11-point winners. And then round 18, they finished the season on a high, beating South by five goals. Bunton and Moriarty helping themselves to three goals each. Um, and you said Moriarty kicked 56 uh, for the season they had. Yeah. Um, leading the goal, kicking, playing all games this season, kicking goals yep. in every game except for round 15 against Footscray. Not bad. Yeah. Wow. Not bad. Not bad. I mean, not great. I mean, no, no. 10th. But, but you got signs. You got signs. Absolute superstars. You in got, there, you know, you got Jazz Legs. You got Chicken Smallhorn. You haven't got Jazz Legs. No, sorry. What am I talking about? You got some more Chicken Smallhorn. You small got Chicken Smallhorn. Small and Hayden Button. <laughs> And Hayden Mutton, and, uh, and Moriarty kicking bags. Yeah, still. Yeah. Where did he start out again? Mm, Essendon. <laughs> and, uh, he he was let go by Essendon in nineteen twenty two. Like we we couldn't find a space for him, and he, he went and he, he went on to become like the maybe the highest ever goal kicker for Fitzroy. He went to Fitzroy and he Dominated. led their goal kicking, I think, for nine years in a row. Then he missed one, and now he's back at it again. Oh, so yeah. yeah, what a man. <laughs> he's great. What a loss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still dirty. <laughs> still filthy about it. Uh, St Kilda, the Mighty Saints, came in ninth in 1931, ending on 32 points. So they had eight wins and 10 losses. 
and a percentage of 89.2. Yeah, so uh, coached by Charlie Hardy, captained by Harold Matthews. Their lead goal kicker was Bill Moore with 57. Billy Moore. And he was really their only avenue to goal. The next closest was Jack Anderson with 15. So it wasn't overly pretty no, for them. So Charlie Hardy coming in as the new coach, um, he had been coach at Essendon the previous season but had failed to get the job there. Yeah. Um, and Harold Matthews was actually captain chosen by the players. It was a bit of a player vote. I like it. Yeah, That's good. More yeah. These days. Now, yeah. Maybe leading teams went in there. Who knows? Um, George Chapman came across from Port Adelaide. There's a bit of a champion as well. Round one, Charlie Hardy got a win over his his old side in round one. They beat the Bombers. I beat the, the same old, I should say. Two-goal win. Jazz Legs Gambetta scoring four and more with five. So St Kilda have got this great player, Anna, whose name is uh, Cyril Jazz Legs Gambetta. Mm, I got a bit ahead Jazz of myself legs. there. Oh, that's what yeah. you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, he had polio as a child, so he's got this strange running style, which makes, you know... They call him Jazz Legs. Jazz Legs. Yeah. Gotta love it. Uh, round four, they had a loss to South Melbourne, but Billy Moore kicked nine. Yeah. Pretty impressive considering the... Like what he would have been receiving in this side, I think that he's kicking so many goals. Yeah, he's well, you know well. what St Kilda are like with their, you know, individuals and yeah, you know, uh, they're amazing. Yeah. They've got some amazing individuals. Yeah. yeah. Round nine, they played the Melbourne. Um, they won by twenty-seven points at the MCG. Mm. Um, Melbourne was held to one goal in the first half, which yeah. did it. But credit to the defenders, Bill Moore had his first goalless game since nineteen twenty-nine. Excellent. Wow. Mm. What we like to hear. <laughs> Around 10, pre-game when the captains tossed the coin, the coin disappeared into the mud. <laughs> Spectators laughed as players disappeared into mud and water in these atrocious conditions. Um, and St Kilda won this game by 32 points, but I haven't actually said who it's against, have I? No. <laughs> what uh, was it? Round 10? Round 10, it was against Fitzroy. Ah. Ah. Yes. Round 17, the match between St Kilda and Collingwood was the first game where both sides scored 20 goals yeah, each. Yeah, amazing. Both Bill Moore and Gordon Coventry kicked 11 goals. Coventry was the first to kick 10 or double, double or digits over 10, yeah, in a losing side. losing side. And this this was the overall score record and held the new overall score record and held until the, sometime in the 60s, I believe. Yeah, so uh, Saints won by 14 points, but get this, Anna. St Kilda, 21 goals, 1,642. Collingwood, 20 goals, 8,128. Combined score of 270. That would have been Phenomenal. great to watch. Yeah. And so we, if we remember from last year, Bill Moore also kicked a bag against Collingwood he and did. they gave him the, the trophy. I don't That's think they right, did it this did. time. No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, look, the Saints couldn't get any real run going on here. Nothing consistent. They never won more than two in a row and that was kind of the story were, of this season. There's, I mean, they're still dealing with a lot of off-field issues. I remember we talked a little bit about it last year, but I found out a bit more detail. Apparently sometime either this year in 31 or late, the previous year, players were brought in front of the committee and told that they'd signed a contract and they were basically in the position of servants yeah. whose services could be dispensed with at any time. <laughs> Imagine being told that by your committee. And when they weren't fighting with the players and the coach, they were fighting between each other mm. as to who held the power. Pleasant. So, yes, not fun times. Um, St Kilda dust, just sprinkled everywhere. <laughs> it was the last season of uh, Jazz Legs Game Better. Oh. And I talked about this... Um, I think we did talk about it a while ago that we'd maybe try and write a song. Well, I've, I've written a song. I've, you have? I've written a jazz oh, yes, song, a jazz Jimmy. song for Jazz Legs Gambetta. <laughs> um, Brilliant. Just have a quick listen. The bow-legged boy from Eagle Hawk had a terrible fight as a child. The polio effect 
fact that his legs made his running style rather wild. From Bendigo to Melbourne town, for Hawthorne he would play. In 921, Secure is where he would stay. Jazz legs Gambetta, we really love your style. Jazz legs Gambetta, you hung round for a while. Eleven years in the league, playing down the back. Jazz legs Gambetta, in the red and white and black. Fantastic. I love it. It's, it's great. <laughs> All right. I can just imagine like sipping a brandy and smoking a cigar while having that on in the background. That's exactly yeah. It. yeah, I love exactly. it. Um, let's move on. All right. Well, the Fuchsias, correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, correct. Oh, no, no, thank you. Oh, thank brilliant. You. The Fuchsias came in in eighth position um, with the same number of wins and losses as St Kilda. So eight wins, ten losses, and with a percentage of 91.7. So, yeah, captain coach again by Ivor Warren-Smith, the great man, and their lead goal kicker was uh, George Margatich again, yep. the young man with 66. Uh, new recruit... This year, important one, Percy Beams. Yes. Oh, I started. know that name well. The, the Rover, the young Rover. How do you know that name well? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Couple of paints. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, probably the first of the new batch yeah. of players to come through. Oh, see the smile? Excited, Can you hear yeah. the smile? Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. I hear it. Um, it's and beginning, Charlie. It's beginning. It's, it's starting. It's starting, guys. <laughs> um, also, at the end of this year, and we'll talk about it more probably next year, um, Percy Page, who we all just spoke about, comes over as se- to become secretary of Melbourne, which was a big, led to a big change off field. So, mm. Mm. listen yes, in for more. That, that links in with uh, yes. the coach, doesn't it? Yes, it certainly does. Yeah. Um, so, as we talked about, no, we didn't talk about it. round one. Perfect conditions. Melbourne opened the season against the side whom hadn't won at the MCG since 1924, that being Fitzroy, um, and hadn't beaten Melbourne since 27. The uh, Fuchsia's won by 12, Bob Johnson with a lazy six, Margatich with a lazy four. As you do. Yeah. Mm. Uh, do you want to... No. no. Round three, they played Geelong at the MCG, and it was a close game, the lead fluctuating between the sides in the last quarter. Geelong took a two-point lead at the start of time on when a long goal from 60 yards uh, occurred. In the last seconds, George Margatich socketed the ball uh, through from about 30 yards out and the bell rang almost immediately after the ball had gone through. Um, he kicked badly all day despite his four goals, but he saved his best for the last act in the match, winning the game. Fantastic. Yeah, I think we we started quite strong this year and then again started were foiled by injuries after about round five or six, I believe. Yeah. We, we won, yeah. 
I'm just trying to go through the, the positives here. Yeah, right? thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, they had a thumping win in round six over... Who do you think... That, would they have thumped that year? Uh, North Melbourne. Yeah, surely. Uh, thanks to some dodgy kicking by North. Uh, and eight goals to Margaritage. Great man. Yep. Great man. <laughs> uh, let's have a look here. North kicked seven goals, 17. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not pretty. Uh, round nine at the MCG. We talked about St Kilda having a win there. Melbourne kicked terribly. One goal, nine up until the third quarter. Yeah. And finally, Bob Johnson got one. Uh, they kicked four goals, 12 for the day to lose by 27 points. Uh, and then between round seven and 12, they'd go from second on the ladder to equal fourth. Last. Equal fourth yeah. Last. Sorry. They had, a, they had uh, six in a row they lost. Yeah. We, do, we just struggled to pick up again. <laughs> round 13 against Essendon. It was a tight match before, Essen, before Melbourne pulled away in the third quarter. Um, halfway through the last quarter, the home side, being Melbourne, had extended the lead to 23 points, and they looked pretty safe. Uh, but Essendon, being the mighty team that they are, stormed back into the match. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> um, just as when the two sides had played in round two. Only this time, Melbourne were able to withstand the pressure and win that game uh, by a point. Yeah, fantastic. Margaret kicking seven. Great man. Again, yeah. you, just can't, you can't stop the young man. Uh, round 17, look, their season was done and dusted. But the Fuchsia's beat up on North Melbourne again. Yeah. Margatich kicking 12 goals, two. Oh. He had nine shots on goal in the first quarter alone. Brilliant. However, there's only five points in the game at three-quarter time before a six-goal four to one-point last quarter finished the shinburners off. Six-goal four to one point. Yeah. There you go. And what about round 18, Timmy? What uh, happened yeah, Good question. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'd see a terrible end to the season for Melbourne. Succumbing to their largest ever defeat at Victoria Park. <laughs> I don't know why you're so excited. Uh, for me yeah, to I tell just you that. no, because I just yeah. Well, you know, it was a terrible year, points. a terrible time. Yeah, the largest ever defeat at Vic Park. Seventy points. <sighs> As you do. Right, what can you do? Let's cheer him up. One twenty-seven to fifty-seven. Yeah, you want me to play the Jazz Lake song again? Yeah, go, that, yeah, that might pick yeah, me back like up. It. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so who was next? Next we have South Melbourne. They called the Bloods then. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Bloods. 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 Bloods, yeah. Um, no. They finished on 36 points, nine wins, nine losses, nice and even, um, and 99.1%. Very even year. You remember last yes. year they were they had 100%, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. A, it somehow, oh. it was, yeah, again, just... Yeah, almost identical. Just middling. Oh, nice <laughs> seesaw. Uh, so coached by Paddy Scanlon and captained by Joe Scanlon. Brother, uh, brother, uh, fa- brothers. Brothers. Yeah. Brothers. Aww. Brothers were captain and coach. Nice. Captain and coach. And their lead goal kicker with, was Austin Robertson with 38. Yes. Um, good good name for a debutante, Art Michek. Oh, I like it. Yeah, Sounds strong. Doesn't it? Uh, look, a number of interstate clubs, a number of interstate recruits, sorry, had written to the club, keen to play and looking for jobs. Uh, Jack Wade would be their first interstate recruit and he'd play 16 games, but this is something that will come up quite a bit in the very near future. Yes, yeah. Um, the club also trialled paying their players three pounds for a win, two pounds for a loss to try and inspire them. Ah. Nice. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and how incentive. to go. Yeah, which is something I know they do in local leagues, local football. I checked with Murph. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He said, he I was said, wondering you know, why you were asking those um, questions. Yeah. So they got, when he played local footy, they got a bonus for a win. Wow. A 50 buck bonus. So yeah. Cool. Trying to incentivize, incentivize winning. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't think it worked very well. Yeah. Well, well, you never know. Maybe they would have won less games. Yeah, yeah, yeah worked that, half so, yeah. Um, Now, one of their players, Anna, is Bob Pratt. Have you heard of that name before? Yeah. Yeah. So he held the goal kicking record until no, that was Coventry. Bob yeah. Pratt kicked, kicked a lot of goals. <laughs> Bob Pratt, and also won a couple of Brownlows. Three. 
No. No? No. Bob Pratt? No. Who am I thinking of? I don't know. My God. Um, But I, I found a description of him. This is how his wife described him. He led like Dunstall, marked like Ablett, kicked like Lockett, and looked like Modra. <laughs> so he's pretty. He's a good-looking man. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. yeah. Uh, round one, strong opening game against North Melbourne, winning by 52 points. Terry Brain kicking six. Yes. Oh, he's got to have some kind of awesome nickname. Brainy, well. yeah. yeah. Round five, they beat Hawthorne by three points, coming from behind at three-quarter time at Glen Ferry, a place they'd, where they'd recently had some very close games. Uh, then they kind of went win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. Nothing really stood out until round 14. They came agonisingly close to beating the reigning four-time premiers Collingwood at Lakeside Oval. Both teams kicking a combined 36 behinds for the day. South with one goal five in the last quarter, losing by two. And then finally, ended the, the season on somewhat of an embarrassing note, lo- losing to the uh, 10th place Fitzroy at home by 30 points. So, yeah, that, as you were saying before, that kind of led into after the season, a, cu- a couple of guys, uh, Jack Rowan and Archie Crofts, got, to, got together and talked about how to rebuild yeah. what they felt was a bit of a failing club, and we'll talk about that more and next the, year. The other thing is you said Austin Robinson led their goal kicking. Yes. Because he was playing at full forward and Bob Pratt was being used at half forward. But yeah. This is a change they would make. Coming up. Well, and Bob Pratt still kicking 23 that year as well. And Ted Johnson, who's obviously kicked a few in the past, yeah. was on 29. Yeah. So, look, there's, there's the future looks there's, right. Yeah. The building blocks are there. Absolutely. All right. We now reach the top half of the ladder. Essendon came in sixth with more wins than losses. Ten yes. wins, eight losses. That's Go a same win. Olds. <laughs> <laughs> um, they finished on... Where am I reading? 99.2%, 0.1% above... South Melbourne. Yeah, South Melbourne, yeah. So... um, I'll win and point one, yeah. 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 Uh, Captain coached by Garnet Campbell. Their lead goal kicker was Ted Freya with 50. Mm. Um, So, as I said earlier, Charlie May didn't get the job, so they they advertised the job of coach. Um, and several people applied, actually. Roy Cazaley was said to have applied. Charlie May, Keith Forbes, Jack Vosti, uh, Bob McCaskill, but Garnet Campbell was eventually hired. Um, he was an Essendon player already. He'd been at the club for the previous seven years, so this is, you know, they just hired a player. Ah, basically. okay, nice. Captain coach. Yeah. Um, as we said, round one, they lost to uh, St Kilda, Charlie, uh, Charlie May getting a win over his old team. Round two against Melbourne. Not only did Essendon have to come from behind at three-quarter time, they also had to battle back from a 20-point deficit with 20 minutes to, 10 minutes to play. Melbourne kicked the opening goal of the term before Essendon got the run on, which we talked about. Yep. Uh, Don's burst back to life with four goals in a row to win. Uh, the next, So in June, the payer, player payments were reduced to £2 a game and £4 a, a week for coaches, so they're trying to save money. It's the depression. Round 10, mighty triumph at Windy Hill, knocking off the four-time reigning Premier's Collingwood by four goals. Leading the whole day, Clary Hearn kicking four for the winners. What a win. Yeah. Bombers. Dons, come on. Love it. Round 13, as we said, controversial ending to that game against Melbourne. Essendon going down by a point. However, Mm -hmm. however, shenanigans. They alleged that Melbourne forward, uh, sorry, Essendon forward Ted Freyer kicked the point at the end of the third quarter. And it wasn't registered because the bell rang in the, before the kick was taken. The ball was touched as it crossed the line, apparently. However, the league dismissed it as the goal umpire said the ball stopped three feet short of the goal line. So we was robbed. 
Whoa. Well, was he though? Because if the goal umpire saying yeah. he didn't quite reach the line, the goal you know the goal umpires have always had it in for us. Yeah. <laughs> you, saw, you saw what happened to Zaharakis on the week last week. <laughs> always had it in for us. This is evidence now. There was something that something that I read that said, which I hope is true, <laughs> that that loss made it almost impossible for you guys to make finals. Oh, it's almost, so oh. it's almost like the bully court, the the Harry Bully Court. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so yes, I, well, that I hope that's help. true. <laughs> well, one more win would have put us. No, it can't be right. No, no because it can't be. yeah, you there like, still enough games. Well, I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Round fourteen. So earlier in the season, Essendon was thumped by Carlton in round three to the tune of 82 points. However, in Win- at Windy Hill, round 14, the game uh, was reversed a little bit. Essendon had a tight lead heading into three-quarter time. Carlton had been poor in front of goal, kicking 10 goals, 19. Um, Essendon, uh, coming back from 11 points down, would add eight goals, six to one goal, three in the final quarter to reco- record another fine win for the season. Uh, Ted Freire kicking six, Keith Thorbs and Charlie Hearn with five each. Uh, and this was their first win against Carlton since 26. Uh, so, look, we didn't make finals, but we beat Carlton and we beat Collingwood. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a win for the season, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> In fifth place, we have Footscray, finishing on 48 points, 12 wins, six losses. And a percentage of 110. Amazing. So, uh, captain coached by uh, Bill Cubbins. Yeah, formerly of St Kilda. Yes, the great fullback. Yeah. And their lead goal kicker was Albie Morrison with 36. Mm. This is quite high up for the, uh, Massive. Tri- the tricolours. Cubbins has done a great job. Very, very, They played a very defensive game this year, apparently. Yeah, okay. And uh, they said they reckon that the reason they couldn't quite scrape into finals was they just didn't have a spearhead forward. Their yeah. defence was strong enough, but they just didn't, they couldn't attack properly. Yeah. Jimmy Joyce, one of the uh, debutantes. Nice little alliterated name there. James Joyce. Jimmy Joyce. Look, an exciting start to the season. Saw them win three of their first four games, beating Hawthorne by a point, South by 20, and then Fitzroy by nine. Uh, then round 15, a new recruit, and pint-sized rover, rover Wally Minogue was nowhere to be seen. Didn't show up. What? What happened to him? Oh. Um, he'd actually caught the train from Footscray to Flinders Street. First time he'd ever been to Flinders Street. He got confused by all the platforms. Um, couldn't find his train. By the time he had, he arrived late at Glen Ferry and had to be an emergency. I find that very adorable. So he became 19th man. <laughs> yeah. Footscray <laughs> won by two points despite kicking two less goals. Six goals, 19. Um... And this kick started an undefeated run that led to the end of the season. So round twelve, after round twelve, they didn't lose a game. Poor Wally Minogue. Poor Wally. Wandering, wandering around Wally. there with his sports bag at the station. No. Where's Wally? <laughs> um, round thirteen in their win over South Melbourne at Witten Oval, Wally Minogue did make it, helping himself to thirteen kicks. Um, and Bill Spurlong was called the Kingsford Smith of the day, taking great marks and firing beautiful drop kicks. Love it. Round 17 was a huge game. So Carlton hosted Footscray at Princess Park. Well, this would be, yeah, to see if they could make it into the finals, surely. Well, still, they wouldn't need it? to keep yeah. winning, so just keep winning to yeah. try and have the possibility of making finals. Footscray in fifth. Um, and look, 39,000 people crowded in to watch this. They saw the Footscray defence hold boom forward Les Allen, who had kicked 87 goals in 29 games, goalless. Um, after... So Footscray led by 20 points at three-quarter time, but Carlton came steamrolling home in the last before Ernest Nunn put them back in front with a prodigious punt. 
putting the Bulldogs back in front. That is the Tricolours. Carlton rushed the ball then down to Soapy Valance, who took a mark. This mark would win them the game if, if he could convert. Standing on the mark was Billy Cubbins. He started yelling at Harry, You won't get this one, Harry! Well, and it worked. He missed. Yeah. Footscray <laughs> held on for the win. Four points. He was quite far out as well, I think we should say. I think he was yeah. about 60, 60 yards out or something. Yeah. yeah. More dramatic if he's close. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, round 18, they needed to win this last game in game percentage or hope that Carlton or Collingwood lost. And North, actually, as we talked about, put up a bit of a fight against Footscray. Yeah. Um, there was the some... try. I'm sorry. Tricolors won this game by nine points, but ultimately missed finals by fourteen percent. Yeah, there was a there was a bit of commentary in the papers saying that the Footscray players were more worried about what was happening in the other game and they forgot to pay attention to what was going on in their own. <laughs> yeah, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I'm very pleased to report that the reigning premiers came in in fourth place. Ooh, I know Collingwood finished with twelve wins, but they had six losses. Um, as Timmy already said, they ended 14 percentage points above Footscray on 124%. 48 points. Mm. Six losses. That's almost as many as their Huge. entire the, the last four years combined. Yeah. What went <laughs> wrong for the guys? Uh, just just the machine started slowing down. All But also, big loss, which we'll talk about in a second. So captained again by Sid Coventry, coached by Jock McHale. Lead goal kicker, Gordon Coventry, again, but... Again. With only 67, yeah, about half not, as many not, as not last the year. No, not even. Um, as we said, big loss for uh, Collingwood this year was Albert Collier, left for Tasmania. Um, He's a Brownlow medalist. Brown, Brownlow medalist, oh, only loss. two years previous. Yeah. He's only 18 or 19. Yeah. He's quite young at this stage, too. Very. Uh, I think he'd be 22 by this stage, I think. His, but his new wage was 500% more than what he was getting. Yeah, exactly. Though. So he went oh. down, he, play, he played in Tassie because. Cannonall. He got work in yeah. Tassie as well. Yeah. Couldn't find work in Melbourne. Yeah, if it's a depression and someone is offering you 500% more than the wage you're currently getting, that is a no-brainer. Yeah. Absolutely. You are taking that every single every day. Every single week. day, yeah. yeah. Um, round one, Collingwood raised their flag. And a question for you. Oh, boy. No, just... just <laughs> who would you... If you were a team and you won the premiership, how would you get? who would you get to raise the flag? Uh, the cap. Wait, the captain of the team. Yeah, that makes sense. It would make sense, wouldn't it? There's this weird <laughs> tradition that clubs have, which we need to bring back. But the wife of the president traditionally raises the, the premiership flag. Oh, yeah. Getting the women in there, I like it. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So Mrs. Curtis, prior to the game against Geelong at Victoria Park, raises the flag. So we're talking a premiership replay. Yeah, first round. I like it. Yeah, um, and another really close game. Collingwood getting up by five points. However, Coventry kicking four. Yes. And I think this is actually the first year, first year for a while that Collingwood have actually played their home opener in round one. Because they've oh, often yeah, been right. doing it round yeah. two. Round four against Richmond, uh, they played in, with the grand final spirit. A seesawing game that became goal for goal towards the end. Uh, it kind of looked like Collingwood would win by two points before a late Tigers goal got them a two-point win. Got the Tigers a two-point win. Yes. Yeah. Great. Mm. Uh, round five, this effort saw them... They had that poor effort against Carlton and lost. Uh, going down by 16 points. So these games at the top end seem to be quite seesaw. Like, one will beat one and then they'll yeah. lose. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's interesting. They then had four wins in a row. Uh, and then their round nine win over Footscray proved tough, only getting home by four points. But that kind of proved how tough Footscray were. Yeah, they were getting kind of set, there. Set the scene for them. Round 10, they lost to Essendon. 
and many people started to question <laughs> if the wheels had fallen off the machine. Mm. Especially when they struggled to beat a lowly South Melbourne in round 14 by only two points. Well, I imagine the loss of um, Albert Collier, they're slowing down. Like, they are getting a bit older yeah, now. Yeah, some older players. Yeah. Uh, round 17, they uh, we talked about they played St Kilda, both sides scoring 20 goals and Coventry kicking 11. He was the first player to kick double digits for a losing In side. A losing side, yeah. Um, yeah, that was Collingwood's season. season proper. Not as much to say as we have said over the last <laughs> four years, which is nice, finally. Yes. Uh, in the bronze position for the season, we have Carlton. They, like Collingwood, ended with 12 wins and six losses. Um, and a percentage of 125. Yes, yeah, so very close mm. there. Captained by Ray Brew and coached by Dan Minogue. Their lead goal kicker was uh, Harry Soapy Valance with 86. Yeah. Mm. Um, so he, who was our lead goal scorer for the season. Yes. Um, some debutants in, include Mickey Creswell Crisp and Rex Job. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, Alex Duncan was a huge loss. He left at the very start of this year to join Coburg. Yeah, a oh, massive loss. And pre-season, Ray Brew broke his broke down in the practice match, so he had been their coach and captain, I believe. For a, he, was he was their captain, captain a couple of years previous. Yeah. Also, yeah. Um, so round one, they gave up a six-goal lead at the first change to the Tigers, who then kicked twelve goals to seven in the second half to snatch the game in what would have been a thrilling last quarter with twelve goals scored between the teams. And Tommy Downs made his return after being suspended for the entire 1930 season. Why was he suspended in 1930? Uh, I think he hit someone in the face. or For the entire season? <laughs> the entire season. Yeah, the yeah. whole year. 18 games. Whoa. He, I think he got suspended in the finals, if I'm correct. Mm. Something like that. Um, round four, in a close loss to Geelong at Cryo, Ray Brew, already sore from hurting his leg earlier in the season, re-injured the same knee. And although he kept trying to get up and play this game, it proved to be his final game. Um, it was also, but luckily, this was also Horry Clover's first game for the season. Another goal kicker for Carlton. Yeah. Um, so taking over the captaincy was Colin Martin, and he did this for the rest of the season. Uh, he'd been uh, vice captain for the last for this season as well, so it was just a natural handing over of the leadership there. Yeah. Round five, Carlton's champion full forward Harry Soapy Valance was the difference between Carlton and Collingwood in the match of the day at Princess Park. Many of his goals were team lifters coming at pivotal moments in the game, especially in the torrid last quarter when the Blues charged home from 10 points adrift to win by 16. Uh, and this kick started the run of seven wins in a row to Carlton. Um, however, the big controversy of this season was about Tommy Downs, round 12. Um, there was an incident with him. They played Rich, uh, yeah, Richmond in Richmond. round 12. Yeah. Um, and he was found guilty of kicking... Richmond okay. captain Maury Hunter in the match. Now, he he had a pretty strong... Uh, he had someone pretty big in his corner. He did. did. He hear about this? Yes, I did hear about this. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, future Australian Prime Minister Robert Menzies uh, was in his corner and backed him, saying he was a man of good standing and these sorts yeah. of things. But to no avail. You can't get away with kicking people. <laughs> yeah. And he was re- suspended for the remainder of the season and whole That's of 1932. Nice. After just coming back from missing another, like a previous season. Tommy Downs. Yeah. Don't trust him. Yeah. Uh, and also, his brother had played for Carlton about 10 years earlier and died on the training track. Oh, he was the one who died on the heart attack. Yeah. Oh, jeez, Louise. Yeah. Um, yeah, so as you said, um, Bob Menzies tried to uh, help him get off. There was no avenue of appeal in place at that time. 
So Tommy and the club were forced to pay a very high price for what turned out to be the umpire's mistake because some years later, the Sporting Globe published a photo taken by a spectator at the match, clearly showing it wasn't Downs who had made contact with Hunter. It was, in fact, a teammate who had accidentally kicked the Tiger skipper and the umpire had only pulled out his notebook to stop the brawl that he feared was about to erupt. Really? Really, apparently. There you go. I love that. Yeah. Um, there was also like several meetings, and Carlton members came to a, like a demonstration at the te- at Brunswick Town Hall to protest the uh, the situation. Um, they had eleven players sign stat decks declaring it wasn't Down's leg which came into contact. It yeah, to no avail. To the length they went to to try and get him off, and to no avail. And that kind of overshadowed Carlton's season in the end. Yeah, they look. They won three more games against Fitzroy, Geelong, and St Kilda. Um, but kind of from that incident, they were ske- they were sketchy. They weren't as consistent. It really threw them, and I'd say that probably ended their season there. Yeah, well, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? They they obviously kept on playing well, but yeah, interest. Yeah, Lost who knows? Lost a bit of their oomph, exactly. Yeah. Richmond ended second on the ladder with fifteen wins and three losses, a percentage of one hundred and forty-one point one. Massive, yes. massive. So coached by the great man, Checker Hughes. Yep. Captained, as we just said, by the uh, Maury Hunter with a slightly dinted face now. <laughs> and their lead goal kicker was Doug Strang, one of the brothers, mm. with 68. Yeah. yeah uh, is it a young debutant this year, Timmy? A young debutant by the name of Jack Dyer. A young, a raw-boned 17-year-old, they called him. He was earmarked by the coach as a star in the making. Yeah, so... And he um, managed six senior games this year. He did. So um, he'd been trying to get a game for a while, actually. I've started reading his, his semi-autobiography with he, he co-wrote. Um, he talks about trying to get noticed by Richmond for quite a while. <coughs> and they ignored him and ignored him. So he applied for a transfer to Collingwood. And suddenly they showed interest. Ah, mm. Hard to get. Classic. Yes. Um, now, let's start with round two for Richmond. Because they played North Melbourne. Ah. <laughs> yes. Richmond kicked 30 goals, 19 for a score of 199 to North Melbourne's four goals, seven, 31 at, Prince, at Punt Road. Massive. Oh, the Tigers' so score and the 168-point winning margin were both league records. Yep. Mm-hmm. Richmond also the first team to kick more than 30 goals in the match. They kicked 12 goals, two in the second quarter alone. Doug Strang kicked the club record 14, 14 goals, yep. which is also the all-time record for Punt Road Oval. Um, it was only his second game. Yeah, it's unbelievable, <laughs> isn't Jack it? Jack Titus kicked eight. So they combined, yeah, combined for 22. Yeah, and Jack Dyer was named on the bench for this as the 19th man. Um, I don't think he was activated. I feel like he started getting games later in the year. Yeah, I might be wrong there. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure. So, yeah, so they combined for a 20, 22 goals, which was also a record between two, two players, players, which was equaled by... Uh, Couple of plays by Templeton and Dunstan in 1978, but it's apparently still never been beaten. Wow. Uh, round four, Richmond 10 goals, 12 defeated the reigning Premiers, nine goals, 14, so a four point win over Collingwood. Um, a record great gate taking of 179 pounds was taken, I believe, despite thousands being turned away. Crowd of between 40,000 and 42,000 people, one of the largest ever seen at Punt Road Oval. So so much so the fence on the eastern side gave way, injuring several spectators. 
Uh, round five against Essendon, Richmond presented Alan Geddes with a clock to commemorate his 100th senior game for the team. <laughs> I love it. I love the prizes. by 14. Beautiful. We love the things they used to give. Yeah. Uh, round seven, Richmond lost its first game of the year, so they won their first six. They lost to Geelong by 27 points at Cryo Oval. Um, a gunshot was fired at a train carriage, which was carrying the Richmond team to the game, which occurred at about 11, 12 past 11 in the morning between Footscray and Yarraville. So what some... Uh, this is just what Rhett's found on his Tigerland website. So some <laughs> some rat bag Richmond players just firing guns out of their carriage. No, no, no. Find like at, at the, the at carriage. The train carriage, yeah. Oh yeah, my god! Trying to take out the team. Yeah, I, I don't know in what circumstances. Look, we'll just, just a little yeah. tidbit there. Yeah, love it. Um, at a dance at the Pavilion following their twenty-seven point win over South Melbourne in round eight, Doug Strang was presented with the ball with which he kicked fourteen goals. Great! It had been specially mounted and encased in glass by the football manufacturer Sid Sheeran. Huh. By the manufacturer? That's yeah. cool. that's I nice. If that's still I like there. That. I if that, surely that's at the Tigerland at the thing. Yeah. Uh, round nine, they had a solid win over Fitzroy. Percy Bentley played his first game of the year. Some Fitzroy barrackers pelted Richmond players and officials and the umpire with rocks. Haven't had that for a Rock while. throwing's it's coming rocks. back. Yeah, look, this is something that happened in the early in the 20s. in the teens and twi- early twenties. Yeah. yeah, that's horrendous. Good bit of rock throwing. Yes. <laughs> just take a next time you go to the G, just take a pocket full of pebbles. I, I love it how shocked Anna is and yeah. how we're like, oh, this is just <laughs> this is just normal. Uh, round twelve, a crowd of about thirty-eight thousand people watched Richmond comfortably beat Carlton at Punt Road Oval. Dan Minogue, Carlton's coach, is greeted with cheers from Punt Road Grandstand at three-quarter time. Um, Richmond won this game because he he used to coach Richmond. He was a premiership coach there. Gotcha. Round 13, this time against North Melbourne. Jack Dyer plays his second senior game for Richmond, but this time he has a run on the ground. Uh, he plays really well and is named one of the best on the ground. However, it's around this time that he actually gets relegated to the twos because he, he loses a bit of form and he actually quits the club um, because they weren't pay, playing him in the... Uh, in, the, in the ones, no, in yeah. the seconds. Oh, in the se- because oh. the seconds was a bit of a clique, bit of a, like a boys' club that uh, didn't so want new players. Bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Percy Page was actually the one who went looking for him, and he uh, resolved to, to get rid of these players who weren't, you know, holding spots for talented youngsters. Yeah, and convinced um, Jack Dyer to come back, and probably lucky he did. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, round sixteen, Doug Strang kicked eight goals against Essendon at Punt Road. Uh, they opened the game up with a nine-goal five first quarter. <laughs> Um, their final score is 23 goals, 14, 152. Richmond's second highest ever score, winning by 50, which is their highest score against Essendon until 1982. They're, ki- they're oh. killing it this year. It's ridiculous. What was their percentage? 141. Yeah. Um, and then round 18, lose, they lose their last game of the season, though. They lose to Geelong, their third defeat of the season, their second to Geelong, and Percy Bentley breaks a bone in his forearm, ending his season. Um, and finally, George Strang, in his first year at the VFL, in the VFL, breaks George Bayless's club record for most goals kicked in the season with sixty-eight. Doug Strang, Doug Sorry, Strang. yeah. What did I say? George. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he broke right. George Bayless's. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So sixty-eight for the season, sixty-three. So sixty-three for the season, sixty-eight with finals. Amazing. Yeah. Sixty-three for the season. 60. Sixty-eight, including finals. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. Yep. Brilliant. On top of the heap, Anna. On top. On top of the heap. Well, we just heard of some humongous winning margins by Richmond on 141%. The team finishing on top of the ladder finished on 151%. Huge. Same amount of wins and losses as Richmond. 15 wins, 3 losses. And that team, of course, was Geelong. 
Huge. Ooh. The black cats. Oh, black cats. The black cats. There they are. So, captained by Ted Baker. Yep. Their lead goal kicker was George Maloney, a yep. debutante. Specker. Specker Maloney. With 74. Yep. Their coach was a man by the name of Charlie Climo. Yeah, who um, they replaced. Was it Bill Coughlin who was the coach last year? Um, I think it was. You keep talking, I'll double check. Yep. <laughs> yes, um, it was. It was Bill Coughlin for the last two years. Okay, yeah. So the Ruckman, who's been now replaced by Charlie Climo as a yep. non-playing coach. Yep. So he's a, this guy is a very interesting, is unbelievable, very mm. interesting case. So he played with the Saints in uh, from 07 to 09. Yep. He was... He never. He was a gold miner. He lived in Bendigo, and he was yep. given a car by the Saints to yep. travel to and from games. <laughs> he was the only player that was ever given that. Yeah, right? wow. and he was fantastic. He he coached along just for this year. Yeah, so he was Jack Collins, who was a, only a twenty-year-old player for Geelong. Kind of recommended him. He yeah. played with him at Golden Point in Ballarat. That's right. And he played at Eagle Mom? Eagle Hawk. Eagle Hawk as yeah. well, yeah. yeah. Um, and he was coaching... No, he was coaching Eagle Hawk at this stage. Is yeah, that right? So, and yeah. he'd taken or them to finals. Point, I'm not sure. One of the two. Yeah. Um, so 46-year-old and he was a real surprise left left field selection. Yeah. His coach. Really random. Yeah, based, based on Jack Collins' recommendation. And then didn't coach again. No. It's fascinating. Oh, one and done. So... There, yeah, there's like, and there's the club, as far as I'm aware, and they, they might have found more since uh, since this article that I read about him, have two pictures of him. Yeah. He's not even in the premiership photo from this no. year. He's not in the premiership photo from, of this year. They've got one photo of him in the hat looking dour and the <laughs> other is a cartoon. Yeah. No one knows anything about him. It's fascinating. Really it is. Yeah, there's a, there was a great article in last year's grand final record about him as yeah, well. Yeah, it is fascinating. It is such a fascinating story, and realistically, the most based on stats, the most successful coach, coach ever. ever. <laughs> he's he won got a premiership in hundred percent of the years he coached. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Of course, he's got one out of one, and he's got a winning win to loss percentage ratio of like ninety <laughs> percent. Like. <laughs> It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the Geelong's annual report noted that he devoted the whole of his time to careful preparation of the team and at all time was ready to devote time to special training of players whom he considered to be in need of such work. Yeah, phenomenal. Yes. Yeah, and people, yeah, a lot of, there were a couple of um, interviews with people who played under him and they said he, he was a pretty hard guy but was one of the first, like, kind of individual coaches like you'd go up to players and try and get the best out of them individually rather than talking to yeah. them as a, as a group mm, yeah, so, time. yeah very much yeah, very interesting yeah. so into the, into the season will yep. we start with the uh, the opener some, oh some debutantes as oh, well some debutantes, so, yeah. as you said so George Becker Maloney who came from Perth and then uh, two boys from Port Adelaide Tommy Quinn and Max Kelly so yes you Port Adelaide players in yeah the coming through yeah um, so as we said a loss to Collingwood in round one but George Maloney started strong. George Maloney's debut goal game kicking seven. Seven out of their 12. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, round three uh, against St Kilda at home, new man George Maloney kicked 12 goals uh, in a 12-goal win over them. This was the official record goal haul for Cryo Oval. Massive. Yeah. yeah. We've been seeing a few records just being smashed. 31. Great year. I just <laughs> it from the start. Um, round four, a win over Carlton. So a welcome return of Kaji Greaves, who missed most of last season. Yes, a lot of last season. I think he only played season. two games. 
Um, however, he'd, he'd spend more time out of the game again this season due to recurring injuries and things. So he, he won the very first Brownlow medal, Anna. Oh, and was, was his name? Kaji Greaves. Edward Kaji, Kaji Greaves, yeah. And was runner-up like two, has or, three been, years, two yeah. or three years after that as well. Round Ridiculous. nine, they beat Hawthorne at home with Maloney again kicking well, adding seven to his bag of goals. He used one of his trademark moves, which was his uncanny ability to spin out of the pack, run away from the goals, and kick a goal over his head. Love it. <laughs> That's classy. Stevie J. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Round 11, they had that convincing win over North Melbourne. Geelong gave, a, <laughs> Geelong gave away 57 free kicks to North's 29, but ran out 67-point winners. And this is the game where they donated their gate takings as well mm. to North Melbourne. Round 13, in an eight-goal win over St Kilda, the ground was so wet and muddy that players avoided particular parts of the ground and, you know, stayed away from it. And it was also quite smelly. Hmm. It was a really wet season, apparently. Yeah. Uh, round 14, Geelong's 32-point win over Melbourne at home was their 11th win in a row. Yes. Um, but round 15, Carlton put an end to this winning streak, topping them by 11 points at Princess Park. A very dour affair, that one. Mm-hmm. Very low-scoring match. Yep, two tough teams. 29 to 38, I think. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sounds like a season. A score from this season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, round 18 for the final game of the season against Richmond. The winning team would get top spot. Yeah. Kaji Greaves played again. Hadn't played for a few. Uh, Geelong set up the game with a six goal to two opening term, uh, thus earning top spot on percentage. So, yeah, interesting. Well, even if Geelong had won, but not by much, they could have not yeah. taken top spot, couldn't they? Yeah, I think so. Because they ended up on the same amount of wins. Yeah, fifteen and three. Yeah, um, but not as important as the previous years because there was no right of challenge. Well, as you said, not as important, but still, still important. You're still getting two bites, finishing. F- oh no, first, first and second, second play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Sorry. And yeah. they would play again the next week. So it's just for bragging rights, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, all right, let's just head quickly to Big Red and hear what's happening uh, around the grounds. Big Red's local footy roundup for your state and suburban football action. Sinking our teeth into grassroots football. G'day, lads. Another year of football around this wonderful country. Now let's take a look around the grounds. To the VFA. Back-to-back wins for Oakley in the 1931's VFA season, beating Northcote for the second year in a row, this time by a thrilling three points at Northport Oval in front of 10,000 fans. The final scores for the match were 10-14-74 to 11-5-71. The grand final win also sees Oakley win their second premiership in their third season in the competition. Don Fraser Sr. from Oakley was the leading goal kicker for the season, kicking 77 goals in the home and away season and 83 goals overall, kicking three majors for Oakley in their grand final win. Bill Coop from Paran won the Recorder Cup as the association's best player, uh, polling 10 votes, and Coop spent three seasons playing VFL football at Carlton, but with relatively indifferent form, was delisted, but was an absolute star for Paran, and so much so that in 2003 he was named in their team of the century. To the Sandful, where we also had a team winning back-to-back flags in the 1931 season, in the sample, it was North Adelaide winning convincingly against undermanned Sturt to claim their sixth premiership, with the final scores being 17-13-115 to 11-11-77. Much of the damage came in the fourth quarter, when North Quick kicked five majors to Sturt's one to cement the 38-point victory. 34,000 fans packed into the Adelaide Oval for the game, and they were witness to a high-scoring and fast-paced affair. 
1931 McGeary medal was won by Jack Sexton from bottom of the ladder side West Adelaide. Sexton was a skillful centreman who went across to captain Fitzroy in the VFL in the 1932 and 33 seasons, but returned back to, the, to South Australia. While still being relatively young, Sexton unfortunately died in 1935 from pleurisy, uh, during which time he was actually the coach of Norwood in the Sandville. So very unfortunate. Ken Farmer won from North Adelaide, was again the leading goal kicker for the season. This season with 126 goals in only his third year in the competition and still a sprightly 21 years of age. We'll hear a lot more from Ken Farmer over the next few episodes of the Roundup. To the Waffle and completing their first and only four-peat in club history, East Fremantle have beaten Subiaco by 18 points to make their own version of history. The win sees East Fremantle secure their 16th premiership in 1931, with the final scores for the game being 9-13-67 to 7-7-49. The game was played at Subiaco Oval in front of 11,000 fans who witnessed a perfect day for football, but the Subiaco team were just unable to, to match the scoring power of the Easts. East Fremantle's Lynn Richards won the Sandover medal and in doing so became the first player to win the award for the club. Richmond was a centre-half back and played three seasons in the Waffle before heading to the VFL and playing for South Melbourne. In his three seasons at South Melbourne, Lynn Richards played in three losing grand finals, probably a reasonable result for the average football lover being that Richards had played in three winning grand finals in a row with East Fremantle before crossing over to South Melbourne. The goal-kicking award went to Doug Oliphant from Perth with 84 goals for the season. Down to Tassie, and Latrobe were gone back-to-back in 1931, and Cannonore and North Launceston were also major winners down there. And in Queensland, Maine have secured their fourth premiership in the club's history, and lads, that's Big Red's Roundup for the 1931 season. Until our no- next look around the grounds, kick straight. Thanks, Big Red. Yeah. Um, now, also this season, there was a charity game. Did you hear about this charity I game? I did not hear the about VFA this. The VFA played the VFL. Well, okay, so they're coming back together. Yeah, they seem to have mended some bridges, I suppose. They're, or maybe they're just thinking... The Coulter Law might have stopped all the trade the players yep. coming and going. Um, so June 6th, they played... Um, at the MCG 16,000 people came to watch it was quite wet so that kept people away Yeah, um, they were raising money for the Blind Appeal the Lord Mayor's Fund and Queen Victoria Hospital oh nice yes um, so despite leading at half time the VFA could only add one point in the second half and, and lost uh, the VFL winning 12-17-89 to the VFA three goals 9-27 hang on 79-27 did you 89 say 89-27 to okay so flogged them Clogged up, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sex dominated the second half. Yeah. We were lo- Vic, the VFL were losing at half time. And then they've just come. Yeah, so it was something like 3 8. The VFA only added one point in the second half. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you've got your Ford, Ford, Gordon Coventry, Hopkins. Actually, the team isn't as strong as it could be either. Yeah, yeah, of course, because there'd be lots of players who yeah. choose not to play. Um, Interestingly enough, Doug Nichols played for the VFA rep team that year. Really? Yeah. So where is he at this he's stage? At, he's at Northcote. Northcote. Yeah. Because he tried out at... Well, he, he actually tried out at Carlton, Carlton. A few, in the late 20s, which That's we didn't right. talk about, but he was treated appallingly by Carlton. Yeah. And then he trained once or twice with Collingwood. With Collingwood. Yeah, so we didn't talk about the Carlton thing, but no. we did. Okay. And so he's not far off from joining 
yeah, well, the yeah, VFL. I think like, his talents are, are too good for the VFL. Two week, two years away, two, aren't we? Yeah, two years away. Yeah, I think so. Two yeah. episodes. Um, all right, Brownlow. Brownlow. So as we talked about, there are some changes. So last year there was a three-way tie. Yes, and on countback it was based on the amount of games played. Yes, which meant that Judkins won it. Yes, and because he played the least games. The least game. he had been dropped for those games. Yeah, because he wasn't in form. So yeah, ridiculous. it kind of is. It's a bit insane. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so they've obviously changed it based off the back of that and yep. brought in the rules that we currently know. Yep, three, two, one. Three, two, one. And there was, if there was a tie, the uh, the rule was at this stage that the most three votes would be declared the winner. Yes, so we the most best. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which will happen in the future as well. Yeah. All right, and this year, the winner was... The winner was the great man in his first and debut, debut, debut year. Debut season, yeah. Yeah, Hayden Bunton. Bunton. Yeah, 26 votes from Fitzroy. Um, recruited from Aubrey, won the league's best and fairest in his first season, playing all 18 games, kicking 18 goals. Uh, he was used as a utility. He is equally effective on the ball, in defence or on the half-forward line. He's a capital mark and kick, but the secret to his success is his football sense. Uh, yeah, well... You can't buy it. No, he always seems to do the right thing with the ball when he gains possession of it. His coolness is a great asset, and he's always scrupulously fair. Uh, yes. Yeah, well, debut season, obviously not debut season, but debut season in the VFL to win the Brownlow is pretty oh, huge. Um, it's only, I, I think Brad Hardy did it in the 80s, but that was after, I think, 90 games in the sand, in the Waffle. Yeah. So really, I guess the only time it's really happened. Yeah. Well, how, how long had Hayden Button been playing at this stage? Well, he played like under 19s in the Ovens and Murray League. And that's it. But that's... Oh, so he hasn't come over from. No, he's been playing in the country. Oh, okay. He's from Albury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting as well. His dad said to him when he moved down, he's like, if you get a big head, you're not welcome back in this house. <laughs> I love it. We should, should mention here a couple of other guys who did get closed. Yep. We've got Alan Hopkins, who was one of the equal winners last year, coming second with one point behind him, 25. one vote behind him. But at this stage, he hadn't won it. He'd been yes, so he missed, he's missed out so twice. Missed, yeah, um, Reg Hickey, yep, who we've just heard. talked a lot about as well. Um, with nineteen, with nineteen, John Lewis, captain of North Melbourne, with seventeen from a club that can't win a game, getting seventeen votes yeah. is pretty impressive. It's not often these days that teams. That don't make finals win the Brownlow. No, no, you yeah. Joe Watson, or Gary Ablett did it. Joe Watson did it when he had did won it. it. Yeah. Um, Paul Kelly is another one that comes to mind. But it doesn't happen often. It's often no. teams that win. Which I mean, if if Patrick Cripps wins it, that would be an impressive yeah. thing. Um, and then equal fifth, we got Stan Judkins, who went won it a year before. Um, Ivan McAlpine from Footscray and Percy Beams in his debut year, Easy. finishing equal fifth, which nice. is pretty impressive. Right, finals. Finals. Hey. Here we come. So the new, the new system, Page McIntyre, the Paige McIntyre system. So coming in, uh, the, our first final uh, was an elimination final. An, well. The elimination final between third and fourth, Carlton and Collingwood. So and, I'll just set the scene for you quickly, Charlie, before you go into anything. Please, Dan, Dan Minogue called his team together on the Thursday night to rouse them into to the action. Yep. Um, obviously, Carlton being bundled out by Collingwood a few times. He and told, had, had, as we've mentioned, started lagging toward the end of this season. Yeah. He told them to spend the next two days thinking about the opening bounce and every minute after that he needed, the, the team needed to beat their opponent to the ball. That was his instruction two days out. Yep. 
Uh, so, the game. The game, well, played on the 19th of September in front of 51,140. Carlton came out and, and absolutely whacked them. Yeah. Ridiculous. Won by 88 points. They were in the lead the entire game. <laughs> At half time, they were seven goal, basically seven goals ahead. Collingwood six goals ahead. nine behind from their first 10 shots on goal. Yeah, not ideal. No. Not ideal. Yeah, 1-9 at half time. And after that, they still only they managed to put on another four while uh, Carlton managed to kick another 12 yeah. after the half. So it just... The, yeah. machine is, the machine is on the scrap heap. It is, isn't it? Uh, so- Sophie Valance kicked 11, 11 goals, including six in the last quarter. St- still, I believe... A record in finals like he, no one's kicked more in a final than 11 no okay yeah um, he would have had 12 had his last shot which was the very last shot of the match hit the post and was only behind ah. um, Cl- Horry Clover was banged up after this game after the battering he took and he wouldn't play another league game so it's actually Horry Clover's last game ah. which is sad um, but four records made in this game highest semi-final score ever 130 highest last quarter score in a final nine goals seven 11 goals to Harry Valance and the highest winning margin in a finals game, 88 points. Embarrassing Huge. by Collingwood. Jock McHale would be furious. Wouldn't he? He'd be back in his sick bed. Yeah, we should make sure we call Sid and see what he says. Oh, I tell you what, <laughs> I don't reckon he'd be... He doesn't say much when they've won. I don't, no. don't think he'd be saying and anything now. And they didn't now. finish on top, so there's no like second chance. Collingwood are out. They're done. They're done. They're dusted. Goodbye, Collingwood. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now. <laughs> Which takes us to our second semi. So yeah, the qualif- uh, qualifying both- final? Well, I, the winner qualifies for the grand final. For the grand final, yeah. Still, yeah, just yeah I guess we call it a semi-final. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, interesting. I guess uh, the week later, both of these teams would be thinking, well, at least we don't have to face Collingwood again. They've both lost in grand finals to Collingwood yeah, in the last couple four. of years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we got Richmond versus Geelong, yep. who played in round 18. Yes. Geelong won. Yep. Uh, in front of 48,300 people, Richmond evened up the scores did. and managed to beat them by 33 points. They just ground them. Yeah, that third quarter is really where they wanted. Yeah. Um, Jack Dyer was named to play in this game because Percy Bentley had injured himself in that last game. Um, however, the funny story was Jack Dyer was playing Wednesday footy for the Yellow Cabs yep. um, to make some money, and he was reported. He was like, oh, I've been named and I'm not going to be able to play because I've been stupid in this game. However, the president of the tribunal was a Richmond supporter, so he was cleared. (laughs) I like that. That's good. Yeah. So hang on. If you got reported in that league, you couldn't play in... Apparently, yeah. There you go. Interesting, yeah. So which moves us through to the prelim. So Richmond qualify for the grand final. Yep, they're straight through. Yep, Geelong Geelong and Carlton are playing now to get in in the prelim, an actual prelim. Yep. And the other thing is, and this is something that comes into effect now, um, both teams have had the week off. This is the week. So the first final happened, then this is the week later. Yes. So Richmond get the win, then they get another week off. So this is what happens in the finals now in, in 2019. Yeah. You get a week off, you get the, the pre-finals by, then you You're play right. your game, you win, you get another week off. And that's, I don't think that's a good thing. It can, Well, I, I think if you looked Every at the year data. Since they've done it, a team, one of the teams has at least lost. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. So it's it's um yeah something that we should probably f- we'll follow here as well and see what happens. Preliminary final. So yeah, so we've got Geelong and Carlton have had a couple of tough games this year as well. They had that one right in the middle of the season, which was a very low scoring affair, and it looked as though 
Carlton were again going to have Geelong's me- measure. Geelong couldn't score in the first quarter, and oh, Carlton kicked seven five. Seven five. That's to be 12 fair, twelve scoring shots to nothing. To none. It was an extreme wind. Yes. Extre- yeah. And a sodden ground with intermittent showers yeah. as well. Um. So that second quarter, Geelong managed to pull it back. It was pretty even at halftime. Eight nine. Geelong three points ahead to Carlton's eight six. Yeah. Third quarter, one point the difference. Last quarter, both teams kicked a single goal, but Geelong managed to kick seven points to Carlton's one, so they ran out winners by a single goal. Six points. 11-17 to 11-11. What a match. Yeah. Would have been great to see. Such a swinging game as well. And we can see by the crowd, it was only just under 37,000 that 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 weather was terrible. Yeah, absolutely. Which, yeah. Takes us to the grand final. Takes us to the grand final. Richmond, Geelong for the third time in four or five weeks. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable, isn't it? It is. Uh, so, MCG. MCG in front of 60,700 people. Now, we could tell you what happened, but why wouldn't we go straight no. to the man himself? Yes. Um, captain of Geelong. Ted Baker. Teddy Baker. Let's, uh, let's boot up that way back when phone. Ted, unbelievable to be speaking to you. Congratulations on the win. Cheers, boys. Great to be speaking to you. So tell us about how you're feeling. Uh, look, hard to put into words, I'll tell you. Um, look, we're really on top of the world. Feels like it's been a long time coming, especially after missing out last year. Yeah, yes. Look, so tell us a bit more about that, Ted. You guys have made a few changes this year after that. What happened? Look, we knew it was always going to be hard to beat the machine, uh, but they didn't mean we weren't disappointed. So this year came out and made a big change, uh, getting Charlie Climo as coach, obviously, and then also bringing in George Maloney and Tommy Quinn, uh, both boys from interstate who have had great experience. And look, they've just been great this year. Mm, Can you tell us a little bit about Charlie? He's really pushed you a bit further this year, hasn't he? Yeah, the old coach. uh, Look, Charlie, a bit of an enigma, actually. It's hard to put him into words. He brings out the best in everyone, loves to get around and talk to all the boys, gives them pointers on their game. But look, he's a hard taskmaster, and if he doesn't like what you're doing, sure. Yeah, well, very interesting, Ted. Well, let's get stuck into the year proper. Um, you started with a replay of the grand final. Yeah, look, and it looked like things might stay the same. We we felt good, and Maloney put on a, a great display in his in his debut. Uh, but we couldn't get the job done. We pulled ourselves together after that loss and came out with a win, only then to lose to Melbourne the week after that. But after that, you had 11 wins in a row. How are you feeling then? Yeah, true. Uh, Look, how do you reckon? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Look, we pulled our game together and realised we were at our best when we opened up the play a little. Uh, Made the most of our strength, pace and skill. Uh, So some might say a bit of a return to the old glory days there, Ted. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we have heard that. Uh, Well, it's worked for us back in the 1880s. Why can't it work now? So you only dropped one more game for the entire year against Carlton in round 15. Yeah, that, uh, from recollection, was a bit of a tough, uh, ugly affair. They really just did a great job of stopping us playing our game. Well well, well done to them. Yeah, so, so then uh, moving on into the finals and finishing on top, uh, how did you feel about the change, change of the final system this year? Uh, look, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, seems like someone always changes when we're involved, doesn't it? <laughs> um, but we weren't fussed. We still had two chances, so not much change in our eyes, and we only wanted one thing. And how about when you heard the machine had finally been stopped by Carlton? Uh, Look, it's a funny one. I couldn't have more respect for that team and we definitely breathed a sigh of relief. But also knowing what Carlton had done to us last time, we met, uh, we weren't too cocky about it. So then you uh, came on and wrecked Richmond in the semi? 
Yep, struggled to put it pull it all together. They used to outclass us that day. And then the prelim against the Blues didn't look pretty either. Oh, that first quarter, no, it didn't. Uh, to be fair, we had the wind against us in that first one, and so we knew it wasn't, you know, it wasn't as bad as the scoreboard says. But almost eight goals behind, and we hadn't even scored. Jeez. Uh, we pull it together, and Kaji, Metherill, and Bull Coglin, they, they really led the way. Now, speaking of Arthur Coglin, he's been very important this year, hasn't he? Uh, look, I may be captain, but Bull is definitely a spiritual leader around the club. Uh, he's definitely made uh, space for Quinn and I in the middle, and not to mention little Jack Carney. So, coming into the grand final, you were facing a tough Richmond lineup who were also trying to make up for a couple of grand final losses to Collingwood. How did you feel before the game? Look, it's been a huge week in Geelong. The whole town is really behind us through and through. Um, we had around 3,000 people train up before the game today and knew the rest of them were listening back at home. Now, the Tigers have been known to engage in a tight, brutal contest, the opposite of the way you've liked to play this year. How did you guys plan on dealing with it? Uh, look, just to try and be clean with the ball, make sure we didn't get trapped. Uh, the, that first quarter, they really tried to close us down. Troughton got thrown around. Lamb got crunched by a skinny Titus. Our young Maloney went down a couple of times. It was tough. Uh, but we didn't let them change and we wanted to the way we wanted to play. Mm. And you went into that first break a goal up, but in the second, Richmond managed to snag a couple of a couple through Gordon Strang and Jack Twyford to put them eight points ahead. Yeah. Um, but after that we feel like we really paid close attention to them. Uh, we really rose to the occasion. Mickey the Mouse was amazing, that eighty foot dash really rose our spirits. And we were able to open up the game. Yeah, Mickey the Mouse or uh, Jack Carney, for uh, all those listening who haven't heard that name, uh, he was unbelievable using his, pa- his pace to create that space, wasn't yeah, he? Look, it's, it's hard to believe he's only five foot two, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. And really allowing Troughton and Maloney to kick those goals, giving you a seven-point lead. Yeah, look, it was tight, but we felt we had a run of it. And you were absolutely dominant in the third, though, weren't you? Yeah, but we were wasteful with it, missing a few good opportunities and really let the Tigers stay in it. Yeah, by the time the three-quarter bell ran, with help from a couple of goals from Metherill and Baker, you'd opened up the game to a 24-point lead. And people have said the Tigers really dropped their heads after that. Look, as I said, it was a tough game. Both teams were tied in the last, and we were just happy to maintain that lead. Well, and that you certainly did, Ted. So tell us, who do you reckon was the best on ground today? Mm, Look, it must be obvious from the way I've talked about him, but look, Mickey Mouse, Jack Carney... Far and away the best for me today. His speed and skill just allowed us to get out of that tug of war and not slip into the wrestle that Richmond wanted. Uh, That being said, it couldn't have been done without, you know, Reg Hickey leading our defence and Len Metherill off forward. Thanks for that, Ted. Now uh, go and enjoy the team and the town. (laughs) Yeah, I hear there could be a few waiting for us at the station when we get back. Thanks all. Pleasure, Pleasure to chat. Well... There you have it. It's it's nice to hear a new voice. I was going to say it's been lovely speaking to Sid. He's I feel a like great. I know Sid really well. Yeah, but no, I'm a bit sick of him. As yeah, well. <laughs> it's an, it's nice to hear from someone else. So yeah, yeah, as as we just heard, Geelong managed to turn it around, um, and just stay on top and uh, and run out the winners by 20, 20 points. Yeah, nice close affair. Well done, Geelong. Yeah, look, the reception at Geelong Station was. Wild excitement when the team arrived back at nine o'clock. Yeah, they said there evening. was something like three thousand people yeah, waiting at the station. Players all hoisted onto the shoulders and escorted all the way to City Hall. Um, yeah, St Augustine's band St. was playing Augustine's at the base band, and that's played right. appropriate music. <laughs> uh, the team was announced to cheers from the large audience. Yeah, fantastic.
Right, one other thing they did to end the uh, year was, yeah. um, if you remember, after they won the 1925 grand final against Collingwood, they buried a dead magpie. I That's right. Ring. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, after they beat Richmond, they had this funeral procession down to the ground and they buried in Cryo Oval a toy tiger. Stop it. Yeah. That is so weird. Isn't but it? I wonder, yeah, it's not happening anymore, but yeah, that's no. crazy. And this is something we'll track as, they, as the uh, premierships come along. I like that. What... Imagine what's under all these fields. Well, They're just cemeteries of stuff. Yeah. yeah I love it. Go dig it up. <laughs> um, two days after this, the team travelled to Adelaide and played Port Adelaide in some, uh, I guess, some games. Both were premiers. Uh, but Charlie Clymer didn't go with them. He, as you said earlier, he went back to Ballarat. Well, that was it. And the, so the, the quote that was that was from him, apparently, well, not a quote, but what, what they sort of said, he said, he didn't seek the job. No. There were he didn't have a great relationship, I don't think, with the committee yeah. either. Like he was quite off to the side. Yeah. But he didn't even go for it and he just he, goes. Well he'd only signed on for one year. Yeah. It was always the deal. Yeah. And he's like, no, nah, I just want to go back to the bush. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was the thing. And no one kind of knew that for years and years and years. And then um there's a, if you can get we might post it on our website or on our Twitter. The article Ben Collins wrote last year in the grand final record kind of spoke to his granddaughter and other people who had been around him to try and get to the bottom of why he left only coached one year. Yeah. And that was the consensus was that he'd only ever signed on for one year. And he it? didn't want to do it anymore. No. Which seems unbelievable. Yeah. Especially considering the next year he went back and coached um, Point or at Golden Point or Eagle or Eagle, Eagle Hawk, Hawk, wherever. Yeah. And because the club was in such a bad space because of the depression, he coached for nothing. Yeah. So it wasn't a monetary choice no. that sent him back to the boy, bush. He just He's wanted to go it, back yeah. to the bush. <laughs> it's it's a phenomenal story. Yeah, I wish it? I would love to know so much more about him. Yeah. Um, yeah didn't didn't go to the um, team photograph, didn't attend the dinner in December where they all received their premiership medals. So it was, yeah. But the, I, the, the stories that I've read from the people who played under him... They loved him as well. Yeah. Like a lot of them loved him. Yep. So it wasn't like he was some, you know, some guy off to the side who never said anything, didn't want to be there. They didn't want him there. Like yeah. he was great when he was there, but he just, he just had this whole other thing. Yeah. yeah. Which is great. Yeah. He was a law unto himself. He was. All right. Well, so this, let's, let's wrap up the season. Well, I've got some retirees for you. First. Oh yes, please. Um, all right. Let's cue the uh, sad music. Charles Chapman from Fitzroy played Charlie 104 Chapman, games, yeah. 161 goals. Ray Brew, actually yes. some some big names at Carlton. Ray Brew, Alex Duncan, and Horry Clover. That's huge. All finishing up. Well, technically Alex Duncan finished the year before. Yeah, but wasn't until this year that he actually left. Uh, Sid Hall from Geelong, who had been their leading goal kicker in 29, um, and sadly Jazzlegs Gambetta. Cyril. Now I've got a I quickly I got found a story about Jazzlegs oh, as well to yeah. share before we can say goodbye to him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he was involved in a most unusual fracas during his 129 game career with the Saints um, and I, I couldn't work out what year this was so I might, I'll share it now Okay. Um, he'd been nursing an injured foot in a lead up to a match against Melbourne when Melbourne star Ivo Warnsmith asked him which foot had been troubling him Gambetta politely told him and Warnsmith immediately stood on the injured St Kilda player's foot um, at a traditional social gathering after the match, Gambetta swung a punch at Warren Smith and missed and knocked out a bystander. <laughs> uh, what a jerk. Warren Smith. It seems so unlike him. <laughs> Doesn't it? Best and fairest. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Such a gentleman. Yeah. 
Um, I love it. One other retiree I've got for you is Tally, uh, Tom Kellenek, also known as Kickaroo. Oh. He retired from the Herald Sun after 42 years of writing. The Herald, not the Herald Sun, Herald. Yeah. Oh, we've loved, you know, his little comments. He's been a big part of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I've got word from Kaz. Yes. I sent him a li- those list of names. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's he coming um, out with? The McCracken Name Award this year is Rex Job. Yeah. <laughs> there's something just so sharp and punchy about it, isn't there? Indeed, there I love is. It. Rex Job. I love it. Well, so let's, well, shall we run through the season proper? Let's run through. Uh, the uh, 1931 VFL Premiership team was? Uh, Geelong beating Richmond by 20 points. I might also point out to you that... Uh, the VF, the under-19s winner. Sorry, the reserves winner. You don't need to tell me. Okay. I know this. <laughs> it was the Fuchsias. It was the Fuchsias. They beat Geelong. They beat Geelong. 8-13 to 8-5. The first of a five-peat. Yes. Yeah. Which I suppose is important when you look at what's coming what up. Come, what comes up, yeah. yeah. Who took the wooden spoon? Wooden spoon was North Melbourne. They're fourth. Mm. Third in three years. And who won the Brownlow? Hayden Bunton won the Brownlow from Fitzroy. With 26 votes. 26 votes. And our lead goal kicker? Harry Valance. He Harry Valance with 86. 86 if you include finals. 72 for the season. 72 for the season, yeah. Um, let's look at those premiership tallies really quickly now as well. Well, uh, leading score of the season. Oh, highest sorry. score yes. of the season. Sorry. The highest score of the season, obviously, of Richmond, 30 goals, 19, 199, which is now Massive. the highest ever score, yep. breaking South Melbourne's 189 from 1919. Massive. Huge. And, yeah, so let's go into our premiership tallies. All right. At this stage in 1931, we have Collingwood with nine, Fitzroy with seven, Essendon with six, Carlton five, Geelong two, Melbourne two, Richmond two, South Melbourne two. So no one's got one. No one's got one anymore. And now that Geelong have got two, they've bumped Melbourne down because yeah. of the uh, alphabetical order. Yeah. Damn that, <laughs> damn that alphabetical order. Anyway. Yeah. We'll pick it up. We'll be all right. Indeed. Um, well, thank you again for listening to, uh, to another fantastic season. The season that was, 1931. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, please subscribe. Please yeah, tell your friends. Check it out. Tell, check tell, out our website. Tell one person. Yeah. And just tell them to, you know, just download one episode and listen to it and we'll suck them in from there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's it. Yeah. That's it from us. Enjoy your nights and a hooroo. You can contact kick to kick by email at kick to kick podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at kick to kick pod or Instagram, which is at kick to kick pod as well. For our growing list of all our references, please go to kicktokick.podbean.com slash p slash reference dash list. Thank you very much for listening.